Hey, this is Mike Signorelli, the lead pastor of V1 Church, and you are listening to the V1 Church podcast. You're getting ready to hear a special service. We did something called Five for Five. So it's five communicators for five minutes here on Long Island, and we're talking about identity. There was so much freedom and breakthrough in the room. I cannot say enough about how important it is for you to lock in, turn it up, and meet me on the other side of this because I have a very important message for you. So without further ado, here you have it, five for five. Good morning, church. Who is thankful for pastors that rise up more leaders? I know I'm thankful for being under incredible leadership. So this morning we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 20. Uh, We're going to be looking at the parable of the prodigal son. But before we dive in, I want to ask you, how would your posture change if you knew that you were royalty? How would it change if you knew that you were an heir to the throne? And so in the story of the prodigal son, you have this son who told his father, you know, you're worth nothing more to me than my inheritance. So just give me my inheritance. And the, son, uh, the father gives the son his money and he goes off and he wastes it away. And he, he winds up in poverty and he's working for this man and there's a famine in the land and he's hungry and he decides, you know what, I'm just going to go home to my dad and I'm not worthy to be his son. So I'm just going to ask him if I could be his servant instead. And so he starts this journey home. And that's where we're picking up in verse 20. So it says, So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. So they began to celebrate. And so I want to focus on the three things that the father gave the son um, upon his homecoming. And the first thing was a robe. He told his servants, Go get the finest robe and put it on my son. And a robe... Um, symbolizes righteousness, it symbolizes honor, and it symbolizes dignity. And people who wear robes are in honorable positions like judges, priests, kings, princes, they all wear robes. And so this son told his father, you know, I don't want anything to do with you, but his father is now clothing him in righteousness and honor, and he's restoring him, and, and he's redeeming him in this moment. And the second thing that the father told his servants to do was get a ring and put it on his finger. Now, a ring represents two things, and the first thing that it represents is authority. And the second thing that it represents is a covenant or um, a never-ending promise. And so I love the Passion Translation of this. It says, bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and put it on his finger. And so in, in giving him the ring, the father gives him not only authority, but he restores his identity as a son. And the next thing the father does is he tells his servants, Get sandals, new sandals, and put them on his feet. How many of you know that our curiosity of what the world has to offer us is what causes us to stray away from our God-given identity? So this son went on this journey looking for his identity within the world, and he came up dry, so he decides to go home. And his father put new shoes on his feet so that he could walk in his new identity. I'm here to tell you that this son walked home assuming a new identity, an identity of servant, a title that was never given to him. But his father saw him while he was still a ways off. That means that it was before he got his life together. 
while he was still drunk from all the partying, while he still had the needle in his arm, while he was still contemplating suicide, before he even knew who he was, his father saw who he was, and he ran to him, and he met him, and he loved him, and he called him redeemed, and righteous, and honorable. He restored his authority and called him a son. Your father is the king of kings and lord of lords, and he's trying to dress you in a robe of righteousness. So why are you rejecting him? Why are you still clothed in your rags from the journey? He's trying to restore your identity as a child and adopt you into his kingdom so that you are an heir to the throne. He's trying to put new sandals on your feet so that you can walk in a new journey and a new identity. Why are you still walking around in your old identity? Stop walking in anxiety when your inheritance is peace. Stop walking in condemnation when your inheritance is redemption. Stop walking in defeat when your inheritance is victory. Your inheritance is the kingdom of heaven. All you have to do is take one step towards God and he'll take a thousand towards you. Oh man. <laughs> you know, when I, when I found out Pastor Mike told me to speak and I, I heard Bree was speaking, I'm like, oh, dear Lord, please don't let me speak before I have to breathe. She, she, she killed it. Um, I also want to give uh, honor to Pastor Mike and Julie. Um, the fast track that you heard about, he, he, we did a personal fast track, and it really helped me um, discover my identity and really just helped me as well. So um, give the shout out to Pastor Mike and Julie. Um, and uh, so during this uh, message, told me about identity. I thought, um, I just went to my wife, uh, Mallory, and, and shout out to Mallory. She's in kids, serving the kids right now. So uh, obligatory wife shout out check. Okay. So, um, so she said to me, she goes, so she's, she's pregnant with uh, twin boys, our twin boys. And uh, she said, what would you do or what would you say if your twin boys came up to you and said, dad, who am I? And I thought, I don't know. I, I can't tell you. And that's kind of my, what I'm telling you. I can't tell you who your identity is. But I hope that I can help you. Well, the first thing I looked up was what is the definition of identity? The fact of being who or what a person or thing is, right? That's what everybody knows. The second thing that stuck out to me was a close similarity or affinity, a sameness, identicalness. And that really stuck out to me because the first thing I thought about was Genesis 127 when he said, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created a man and female. He created them. And I thought, if the identity is sameness and we are created in his image, then we are called to be like Christ. And Christ is the one who tells us our identity. So I thought, well, you know, how do you, what's Christ like me? And how do you do that? What is you know, what does that mean? You hear that. And the two words that really stuck out to me is when Jesus went around, he said, follow me. He went to Peter and he said, follow me and I will call you the rock, which I will build my church. He went to the tax collector, Levi, and he said, follow me and I will make you a disciple. And even for those who were struggling with disbelief, he went to Paul who persecuted all Christians and went around trying to stop Christianity. He said, he went up to, he stopped Paul and he said, you are not who you think you are. You are not who they call you. You were called to preach and bring my word to all nations. So he revealed him his identity. Jesus is the one who reveals the identity. He's the one who thought of you. He thought of you when he was on the cross. So you think he's invested in you? 
to help you? So he's calling you. And we're all on Instagram, right? We're, we want to click the follow button. We follow people like the, uh, Gary Vee or The Rock. And I personally like The Rock. So. Um, or other celebrities. And, and, you know, we're attracted to who they are. And sometimes we even want to, you know, be them, right? Like, I, I want to be like The Rock, right? But Jesus is calling you to click his follow button. Right? He's crying out to you, follow me and I'll show you who you are. Follow me and I'll give you the desires of the heart that I put in you. Follow me and I'll, give you, I'll show you the gifts and abilities that I put in you. Follow me and I will show you the plans that I made to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future, not to harm you. And the greatest thing about following him through in this message that I found out is when you let him know who you are and you find out who he is, you can't get lost because you only have to turn to him and say, where'd he go? All right, there we go. Just follow him. And another thing, when you found your true identity, you could turn to help others. So when we find out who we are and we find out who he is, then we can turn around and help the lost and say, here, come here, follow him. He helped me. And we can make an impact across the nation, just like the disciples did during the, church, the book of Acts, because they knew exactly where they were because Jesus told them, follow me. So Jesus is calling you right now in your home. He's calling you in your bed when you're crying and praying. He's calling in your office saying, man, this job sucks. <laughs> but he's calling you because he wants to say son, daughter. I know who you are. Just follow me. Come on, somebody. Man, well, whenever we're having a conversation around this topic of identity, I think it's always really important to bring it back around to who God is. And the reason being, the world has sold many people this lie that in order to find your true identity, you actually need to look deeper within yourself. Right, like Ryan just read in Genesis 1.27, the Bible does say that we were created in the image and the likeness of God. But to be honest, ever since Adam and Eve bungled up that whole situation for us, the image of God in man has become distorted by sin. So in order to get an accurate picture of who we are and who we were created to be, instead of looking deeper within ourselves like the world might have us do, we're actually called to look deeper into the heart and the nature and the character of God. Can I teach you guys a, a bible word this morning? It's not bible It's actually, um, the word is idolatry. Can I define it for you guys real quick? Anybody want to hear? I'm going to preach to you guys. It means idolatry is worship and divine honor paid to any created object. Now, in the Bible, we see this happen all the time. Sometimes it would even look like people making a golden statue of a calf and worshiping it. And in, in 2019, it's a lot easier to identify those kinds of things as idols. But what I would pose to you this morning is this idea of the idolatry of false identity. Now, if, if idolatry is the worship and the divine honor paid to a created object, what happens when we create our own identity and it becomes the center of our lives and who we are? 
I think for a lot of us, myself included, it's easy to slip into this idolatry of false identity. Maybe we find our identity in what we do or what we're good at, right? Like our jobs or our hobbies. Maybe we find our identity in our past mistakes or, or successes or our future fears or aspirations. But church, whatever identity you may have come in with today, is somebody willing to trade their false identity for their true identity this morning? Can somebody shout Amen. As we land the ship, I want to read you guys a verse that a lot of you guys probably already know and have heard a lot, but um, it's John chapter 3, verse 16. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, it doesn't say God so loved all the good people in the world. It doesn't say God so loved all the Christians or the Jews or the people that didn't spoil Endgame for everybody else. It says, God so loved the world. That means God so loved the person that cut you off in traffic on your way to church this morning. God so loved that annoying coworker that you cannot stand. God so loved your ex-spouse that violated your trust. God so loved even that person that abused you. God so loved the world the good, the bad, and the ugly that he sent his son to die on a cross that whosoever believes in him. Now, wait, wait, wait a minute, Evan. You're saying whosoever? You're saying God sent his one and only son to die for all those people that we just talked about, and it wasn't even a sure shot whether or not they were going to even believe in him? Surely God would only demonstrate that kind of love under the presupposition that there was going to be a reciprocation and a return on it, right? Actually, no. That's the nature of the love of our God. And do you want to know the good news? Do you want to know what that means for you this morning? That even at your worst, even at your darkest moment, While you were yet a sinner, the love of God for you never changed in its ferocity, in its consistency, and in its pursuit of a relationship with you. And that's where we find our identity, church. We are the whosoever of John 3.16. And where the idol of false identity, it can be taken away It can be lost in the the twists and turns and circumstances of life. Our true identity has been secured by a love that surpasses all understanding. These young bucks are spitting out fire this morning. So we're talking about identity. So I'm asking you this morning, who are you? That's a question many people struggle to answer. And too many people base their identities on their job. If I just make this so much money on this job, if I just get this right position on this, at this job, then I'll be somebody, I'll have my identity. Some people place their identity in their relationships. Oh, if I just marry this person or that person, then everything is gonna be okay. So many people base their identity on where they live because, you know, we're trying to compete with the Joneses out here on Long Island. So I've got to live on the other side of the tracks, not this side of the track. 
And so by doing this, you significantly limit your life. Because when all of a sudden you get that promotion, but then all of a sudden that job place closes and you no longer have a job, and all of a sudden your bank account dwindles, or you may be facing a separation or a divorce, then the question is, where are you anchored? And to whom are you anchored? My Bible tells me that on Christ the solid rock I stand, and all other ground is seeking sand. Most of us think that we have found our identity, you know, in our teenage years and in our college years, because, you know, we're smart. By the time we get to our college years, yeah, y'all are real smart. But there's, but there's a reality that says, wait a minute, there's so many that are, have still not figured it out. And so every road that you take, see, I'm an oldie but a goodie, so I got a lot of experience behind me. <laughs> so I can tell you with assurance that every road that you take that is not God's road, it's all going to lead to a dead end. It's emptiness. But let me tell you, at the end of that dead road, when you've searched and searched, and all of a sudden you found out for yourself, hmm, yep, this is a dead end. Moses was right. <laughs> then guess what? Jesus will meet you where you're at. And he will make every crooked road straight and line up to him. And so a healthy God-centered identity helps us to make right decisions, folks. It, help us, it helps us to know how to behave. It helps us to have good self-esteem. It helps our bodies to be healthy. And we come into a balance. Did you know that? So when we are anchored in Christ, the shifting winds of change that inevitably happen in our life won't sink our ship because Christ alone is our anchor. This hope, it is like a firm and steady anchor for our soul. In fact, hope reaches behind the curtain into the most holy place, into your heart. Here is a nugget that I don't want you to forget. In every generation, a legend is born. And I'm here to tell you that you, 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 you are a legend. God has handpicked. He has selected, anointed, and appointed you. You are not your past. You are not a mistake. You are not your failures. You are not an accident. God has predestined you for such a time as this. And he's saying if you will arise, out of your ashes and out of your past and out of all the abuse he's good if you will just bring all of your broken pieces to him and lay them at his feet he's going to make something so beautiful out of your life and you're gonna look back and you're gonna say this was nobody but Jesus and he's placed gifts and talents on the inside of you that he's gonna cause to come out and people are going to look at you and say who is this who is this person and it's nobody but Jesus and you can walk out of here saying Abba I belong to you you have traded my shame and my sorrow my 
insecurities for joy and a peaceful relationship. You have caused me to come into a balance. And I know that I know that I know that I am yours and you are my rock. It's like that, V1 Church. It's like that today. How many of you have enjoyed this five for five? Come on, did you get something out of this? Well, listen. We live in the most visual generation in human history. Everywhere you turn, there is another opportunity to look. We take more pictures than we will ever use. We throw away more pictures than previous generations ever had the chance to take. When you open up your phone, you see a barrage of bouquets. And you see their life pretty and on display. You see their marriage. It just seems like they always get along. He loves to make coffee for his wife in the morning. You watch them accumulating so much influence, so much money, so much success, and yet you can't get your business off the ground. And everywhere you turn is another pretty bouquet of their life on display. Let me ask you this. Have you read John chapter 15? Jesus said this, I am the true vine. If you abide in me, if you hide your life inside of me, if you stay connected in me, you will bear much fruit. And so can I just tell you, for some of you who don't know who you are, or, and you're in so much confusion, you don't know what your identity is, can I just tell you that while you're worrying, they're disconnected from the vine and they're withering. While you're worrying about their success, they're already on their way to diminish down. While you're worrying, they're withering. But if you will connect your life to the true vine, you won't just be a bouquet that's on display for a season. Baby, you better mark my words that when those petals fall off, in the next season, you're coming back. In the next season, you're coming up. In the next season, you're going to be more beautiful than you were in the past. And God's got a way of taking some people that are not just a bouquet that's displayed but a bouquet that continues to bloom season after season. I am the true vine. Would somebody connect their life to me? Would somebody find their provision in me? Would somebody find their identity in me? Because while you're worrying, they're withering. Would you try worshiping while they're withering? Would you stop? Would you try worrying and warring in the spirit while they're withering? Would somebody stand to their feet if they want to be connected to the true vine today? Would somebody jump up on their feet if they would like to be connected? Let me tell you something. I got two minutes left. Five years ago today was the worst day I ever had in ministry. I came out to New York and I failed. The situation didn't work out and I had a U-Haul packed with all my family stuff. We were headed back. We stopped in Brooklyn. My wife took a picture and I had a smile on my face because faith told me I'd be back. Terminator, I'll be back. But it was the worst day of my life because I went a thousand miles west to the neighborhood where I already had bought a house and sold it 
to the neighborhood where I'd already had successful businesses and played all their biggest venues and led people to Christ. And I came back with my tail between my legs. But sometimes God's got to take you backward because he's loaded you in a slingshot. And the way a slingshot works is you go backward so he can accelerate you forward faster than you could ever imagine because I was looking at all the ministry pictures and it looked so pretty but in the last two years three years four years some of them were withering while I was worshiping some of them were withering while I was warring and he slung me back to New York and welcome to the vision that God had if there's a true vine it means there's a false vine some of you so desperately want to be connected to the false vine of the music industry so you can bear the fruit of fame so many of you come to new york to be connected into the false vine of entrepreneurship so you can bear the fruit of riches but i'm here to tell you there's only one true vine because in all those seasons you will see that that is not enough to satiate your soul there is a need that you have that's deeper than the need for money deeper than the need for acknowledgement you want to be a legend like Sandra talked about? Get connected to the only real legend. His name's Jesus Christ. I'm all out of time, but if there's somebody here who doesn't want to be one of these, but wants to be connected to the true vine, would you lift your hand toward heaven right now and say, Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I want to be connected to you. Come on. Hey, if you made it all the way to the end, I know that there is absolutely no way that your life wasn't changed. I mean, something happens when you hear the Word of God, but something really special happens when you hear it through each life. And each one of them conquered some things and went through some things in order to bring this special message to you. Now, here's what you can do. Pay it forward. Share this message on social media. Facebook needs to hear it. Instagram, Twitter needs to hear it. Go ahead, copy this link, share it, tag some friends. Let's keep it moving. And thanks so much for listening to the V1 Church Podcast. If you're going to share it, you can do one more thing. Jump on whatever platform. If you're listening on your iPhone or Android, give it five stars and rate this thing. And I'll see you guys next week.